Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. I'm here with an anonymous man uh, who is doing some uh, very non-anonymous things in the world. Uh, we're going to call him Johnny F., uh, but uh, he has written uh, and produced a, a, a brilliant work called Peace Anonymous, uh, which uh, is, is known as the 12 Steps to Peace, which is uh, uh, analogous to the 12-step program. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Philippe. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Talk to me about uh, this work and uh, why you decided to do it. In a couple of weeks, I will have been sober through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous for 20 years. Wow. And... I, I've seen what I've seen is a huge change in people who become involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's not like drinking hasn't been an issue in my life for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But the steps, the steps still function and they still help me deal with life. To my mind, that's what these steps are about. It's not, it's not so much that they, they have me quit drinking. What these steps are about is having me change my life and live in a manner where I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's let's and, talk and, about that a little bit, Johnny, because you know uh, we're going to of course talk about Peace Anonymous, but let's talk about uh, the twelve step program, how it worked for you. A lot of people who are not in twelve step programs let's kind of demystify some of this uh, because what I, I understand from talking to people who have uh, uh, who who are uh, uh, in 12-step programs, uh, that it is more than just <clears throat> about, it's really not about the alcohol at all, actually. It's it, it, it's about uh, uh, empowering your life. Uh, talk to us about some of those steps and, and why they work so well and have succeeded for so many years. It's about change, and it's about making that decision. Step one, of course, um, uh, we admitted we were powerless. I had to admit I was powerless over alcohol. There was no way um, left to my own devices that I was going to be able to um, continue living as I as I had been. Um, mm-hmm. That we require a different kind of thinking to resolve the problem than the kind of thinking that caused it. And and I believe today that that I really I drank because of my emotional makeup and the way I thought about life and 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 I considered alcohol to be a solution I, as I've worked all over the world and and a lot of time spent in the middle east um I'm uh you know as an alcoholic I kept drinking over and over and over again expecting different results and 
And I see us going to war over and over and over again, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. Through the steps, I've discovered what it was in my emotional makeup that generated a lot of the pain in my life that, that required me to drink and numb those feelings out. And I think through the steps, if if people were to look at the world and our nations the way we the way I have have had to look at my life, if we follow those steps and look at the world that we live in, and and you come to see perhaps a different reality than what a lot of us believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lived in denial for a long time. I blamed everybody else for my problems. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I can't control other people. And, you know, isn't that what war and violence is all about? Control? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I can't control other people... And if, if if I if I have to become responsible for what I do, um, by changing the way I act in the world, I found a peace through living in these steps that I never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what brought you to obviously alcoholism brought you to the twelve step program? Can you take us back to what led you to drink to the point where it was excessive, and and can you demystify um, some people say that there are certain people who are just biologically predisposed to uh, uh, substance abuse and alcohol, and then there's others that literally train themselves to become alcoholic or accidental alcoholic. What are your thoughts on that, and, and what was your journey to alcoholism, and then what or who introduced you to the 12-step program? Um. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, I, I, I do believe in 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 all kinds of different factors enter into this. I think I think in some cases people are genetically predispos- predisposed to, to the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, it, there is a, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that to a degree it is hereditary. Um, for me. Uh, I had a very tragic event happen in my life when I was 13 years old, and a, and a, a couple of us did what a lot of 13-year-old boys do. We built a raft, and um, my little sister drowned while playing on that raft. And it was shortly thereafter I discovered alcohol, and um, you know, it it I didn't I didn't realize this at the time. Of course, I didn't say, "Hey, alcohol is making me." forget about all of these negative things that have happened in my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in hindsight and looking back at, back at it and working through the steps and, and, and trying to discover what it was that really motivated me to drink the way I did, um, that had a lot to do with it. And, of course, that began a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And um, and, it, and it, it kind of has a snowball effect. I mean... You know, as the negative, the negative impact of my drinking and the negative impact of my little sister's death, 
it just it just snowballed into um one negative thing after another after another after another and of course mm-hmm. uh as that you know gained momentum uh, of course my drinking increased to compensate for all of these additional negative things happening in my life mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. you know I think that's the neat thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is that I can sit down with a bunch of alcoholics and I can talk about this stuff and they get it right away. It's it's not so easy with with what we like to refer to as Earth people, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> it, it's um, but but the thing but is, you know this, what you know what Johnny? I think uh, in, in some sense, uh, in reference to Earth people. There are a lot of Earth people who suffer from depression. And I think those people who suffer from depression, even though they have not yet found, uh, 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 you know, an addiction or, uh, or, or help, uh, that they can relate to that spiraling out of control, to that, um, well, you know that one negative thought leading to another, feeding another, and so on and so forth. I think I think people can relate uh, to uh, uh, what you're what you're talking about more so than I think you even know. I I agree, and I also think that um, a lot of what happens we we start to accept the negative after a mm-hmm. while, and. Mm-hmm. And and really what I see in, in the world is that one of the things that people who seem to accumulate a lot of wealth, um, see, for me, I, I, I lost everything. And that was kind of when I bottomed out and realized that I had to do something about my drinking. Um, I consider it incredibly fortunate that I lost a tremendous amount of money at that point in my life because had I not, I could have easily convinced myself that life was okay, that I had a bank full of money and, mm-hmm. and that I had all of these things and that, that, that you know, um, that life was, was perfectly acceptable the way it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we, when we start looking at the world that we live in and, and, it's so much about war and violence is revolves around economics, and we 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 go to war for profit. So when did you make this connection? Um, to well, actually, let me go back because I don't think you answered the question of what well, you, you, well, you said. You you bought them now. You lost your money. Uh, lost your uh, uh, basically way to live and survive. How did you get involved with uh, the 12-step program? Because some people just bottom out and continue to drink. What in you uh, uh, saw this 12-step program as a as a solution, as a way out, as a possibility? Because I ran out of other possibilities. Mm. I, I I um I did everything I could possibly do to avoid looking at my drinking, even mm. though mm. wow, even though deep down inside. Right from the start, I knew that I had a little voice deep down inside me. And I think this is one of the things that the book really gets into, is that it invites each and every one of us as individuals 
to really search our soul, to ask us honestly and truthfully what the right thing to do is in any given situation. Okay. And, and you know, I had this little thing, and I talk about it in the book. I refer to it as a little, a little puppy that was at the door scratching. And if I just did something, which usually meant for me more drinking, that would drown out that little scratching noise that that little dog was making at the door. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the dog, the, the dog grew. I mean, as my drinking escalated, the dog grew, and I, it got to the point where I felt like the dog was going to rip the door off the hinges. It, it really demanded my attention. And at that point in time, I knew that, um, that, I, was, that I had to do something. And I was aware of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, did, I had I had crossed paths with a few people um, in my lifetime who um, who were involved in AA, and there was always I had a typical alcoholic response to people who didn't drink. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. Mm. They they scared me. You know, like there was just something about people who didn't drink that really got under my skin. And, of course, we all know what the problem was. And the problem was, you know, that that it created this awareness in me and I could see myself in them. Sure, sure. Um, the, the, there was a whole series of events, though, Philippe. I remember watching the Phil Donahue one, show one morning while I was drinking breakfast. And... uh you know, there was... Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny, but it is. <laughs> you know, it is. You know, and that's the other thing is that we laugh a lot about our lives in the in the old days. And Phil Donahue had a, a guest on that day who, who um, well, he had three, three guests that day who were all suffering from the same kind of symptoms and, and had all similar stories. But the uh-huh. one in particular, she talked about this emptiness that she felt inside, mm. this great, this this hollow, empty feeling. And that's when the penny dropped. I had finally heard somebody describe the way I felt. And there's so many people in our society who fill that, that emptiness inside with alcohol or drugs or work or working out or there's gambling. There's all kinds of things that they use. A lot of people use money. The acquisition of wealth, um, power, uh, they they do everything they can to fill that little hole with anything they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they feel whole. And that's the beautiful thing about the 12 steps is that living this way makes me feel whole. It mm-hmm. makes me feel peaceful. It makes me feel happy. It's not like life hasn't got its problems. Sure. So let me ask you this. Do you uh, go uh, regularly to uh, meetings, uh, or are you at a point where you basically don't necessarily have to go to the meetings as frequently as you did in the beginning? How does that work for you? Initially, um, I went to meetings almost uh, probably three or four meetings for the first few years a week. Okay. Uh, what happened when uh, when I would I would never go anywhere. Um, like I've been working, I've been working traveling 
for work for most of my life. And um, um, up until the time I was 12 years sober, I refused to go anywhere where I wasn't sure that I could get to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it had become such a, a wonderful and integral part of my life. And then I, I was offered a, a job in Yemen when I was 12 years sober, and I decided to uh, to give it a try. And so I don't... I still go as often as I can. Um, I, You know, because it's... More than anything else, I'm, I've... I've met people all over the world in Alcoholics Anonymous, and, you know, I love the way they live. I, You know, it's just, they're wonderful, wonderful people. And, um, you know, in the old days, I used to go from bar to bar to bar looking for a bartender that I liked and a stool that was comfortable, and that's where I stayed. And, and um, now I, I, I meet all of these wonderful people in AA who have, we speak the same language. We uh, we we live. The, we have the same manner of living. Um, it's just there's a there's a connection there, a sense of community mm-hmm. that I don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really missing in our world. You know, we we live. It's it's kind of doggy dog and and uh, every man for himself out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's something incredibly. We've become a, to to a large degree dehumanized, and there's some, that all comes back through this manner of living. Um, we are our brother's keeper. Uh, we are responsible for each other. Um, instead of uh, pushing each other down, why aren't we helping each other up? Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, you know, I one of the questions that I asked myself when I quit drinking is, can I continue like this? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the questions that really prompted the book was, as I traveled all over the world and spent a lot of time in, especially in the Middle East, can we continue to live like this? Well, let's Where talk about that. What, when did you start making the connection? Because I think it's brilliant, actually. When did you start making the connection between um, the 12 step uh, of, of, of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and Peace Anonymous and, and these 12 steps being applicable to peace? When did you start making that uh, uh, connection? Um, the seed was planted after my first trip to Yemen back in 2005. I, I spent seven weeks in Yemen. Okay. Um, I went there full of fear. It was just after after 9/11 and and after the Iraq invasion and the Afghan invasion. And I was in I was in Yemen, and and I was very much. I discovered that I was really very afraid, mm-hmm. and I really I, I believed after you know, being indoctrinated by the media that all of these people wanted to kill all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what AA has taught me is to look at the similarities in people. I can go to an AA meeting and, and listen to people and say, oh, I don't belong there. That, But instead, I look for what, what do I have in common with these people? And mm-hmm. I started to ask myself the same question when I was in Yemen. What do I have in common with these people? 
And when I left Yemen, kind of resolved with this issue that maybe they're not so different after all, I went to the International Convention of Alcoholics Anonymous in Toronto that year. And all of a sudden I'm in the middle of 50,000 recovering alcoholics whose lives had been full of chaos and insanity and violence. And what I was met with was this overwhelming sense of peace. Wow. Now, these people who have known, who had lived like I had, had this incredible sense of peace about them. If an alcoholic can deal with his addiction and find that peace, it should be easy for somebody who doesn't have to overcome an addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what we encounter is the whole process of being open-minded and willing and honest. Can we really get honest with the way our world is? And, and how we do that is by looking at the world through the steps and really coming to terms with the truth about the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Why is it the way it is? So let me ask you this, Johnny. This is uh, absolutely fascinating to me. Um, what, and I, and I love that correlation is that you're right. Here you are in a convention with people who have had uh, the most volatile, dynamic, difficult, crazy lives in the world, in a sense of their own personal war zone. Uh, and they're, they're, they have found their center of peace. And so, yes, it would make sense that the uh, non-alcoholic uh, or, the, or the earth people, as you referred to them earlier, uh, would be able to take these principles uh, and uh, soothe whatever breaking heart uh, they have that's contributing to uh, the chaos uh, in the world. Uh, with that being said, what uh, what has been, uh, if any, opposition to 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 this work uh, in terms of those staunch um, uh, people who just don't believe that uh, anything is going to work? when it comes to dealing with government, world governments, uh, and we've heard this over and over again about world peace, and most people just kind of take it as, if not a joke, they just take it as, uh, you know, uh, just an altruistic, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, it's just nice to say kind of, of moniker. How do you address uh, those folks who just, don't get it or don't want it. Wow. I don't know. How long's your show? <laughs> I might have to have you come back on a few a few occasions, huh? I I'd love to. Um I, I think in in to, the the short answer to that is really very simple. I've never had anybody who has read this book who has been able to say to me, 
Look of us. The trap that we have fallen into living in our democracies mm-hmm. is that we have relied on our government to do everything for us. Mm-hmm. And now when we look at our governments and we look at our elected officials, what we find is that most of their campaigns are paid for by corporations, mm-hmm. some of which are defense contractors. Mm-hmm. There's a $550 billion defense budget. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have a vested interest in keeping war going. Mm-hmm. And they are very, very well politically connected. Mm-hmm. So then that that begs the question, do our politicians really want peace? Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of think... And I, 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 I really believe that if there was a profit in peace, we'd be living in a hippie's paradise. Mm-hmm. Well said. So if if we can't rely on our politicians to deliver the goods, ultimately that 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 responsibility, the responsibility for changing the world that we live in, rests with the people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, nobody was going to get me sober. I mean, I had to look at the problem and accept responsibility for it. Wow. And, Very well said. And, and, well, it, it, but it's it's true. And then the simple fact of the matter is so many of us feel helpless. I mm-hmm. felt helpless when I was drinking. I felt completely helpless. I had no idea what to do or where to go. I, that's not entirely true. I mean, I knew that AA was there, but the last thing in the world that I wanted to do was accept defeat over my disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I, I wasn't going to win. There's no way I was going to beat this. And as individuals, we are helpless when it comes to war and violence in our world. Mm-hmm. But when I look at when I looked around, when I decided that I had to quit drinking, I looked around, and what I found was millions and millions of people who had solved the same problem that I had. And AA is in 150 countries in this world, and it works regardless of religion, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of economic status. It works if you want it to. Mm-hmm. We can change. We can change if we want to. Mm-hmm. So, as individuals, you know, I talk in the book about the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell, and how fads happen, like cell phones, once they hit that magic place of 25 to 30%, where, you know, 25 to 30% of the population had cell phones, and then almost overnight, bang, everybody's got one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why can't peace become fashionable why can't we hit that tipping point with this whole idea i like that that term why can't peace become fashionable i like that i really really like that that resonates well i mean we we you know i mean it, it it boggles my mind how we can send our children off to war without even knowing why Mhm. Mhm. I mean, you know what? We've all come to the realization that we're—I shouldn't say we all have. I mean, there's still a few people holding out, but most of us have come to the realization that we invaded Iraq under a bogus set of circumstances. It was a manufactured war that was sold to us. 
It's cost us billions and billions and billions of dollars. Our children have died. Mm-hmm. But where's the profit gone? Mm-hmm. Now, do we want to continue to do these things? Do we want to continue to go down that path? Or do we want to change? And it is up to us, because as long as we allow the powers that be to continue to manage this war effort the way they have in the past, they'll keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk why, about some of the... Why would they, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. Let me interrupt. Well, why would they change? They've been doing it for centuries. You know, I mean, it's not just, you know, it's not just the existing government or the, the government in the past 40 or 50 years, but peel the onion, go back through history. I mean, it's been, this has been a reoccurring theme since, since man began, and isn't it time? Aren't we intelligent enough to evolve past this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think that we would be more peaceful if we had uh, a female president versus a male president, and, um, since these principles uh, are uh, kind of... Uh, looked upon as more intuitive? What I believe, and this is just my belief, I mean, you know, and I I want to be careful here because what the, the, the idea with the steps, the whole idea is not to have anybody buy into what I believe. The steps are, it's a recipe. And there's a, a you know, it's really about asking ourselves, each and every one of us, I, I, you know, a series of questions on how did we arrive here and where do we want to go and, and, and what kind of changes do we want to see in this world. And it's a spiritual thing. You know, getting in touch with that little voice deep down inside me was a spiritual thing for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, what I do believe is, as a rule, women tend to be more spiritual than men. What I've seen, and 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 I think that one of the the maybe the issues that women might take offense to, and they might they might understand or agree with this, and I'm not really sure, but I think women up until this point, especially in politics and possibly climbing the corporate ladder, have all tried to play the man's game, and I think what women can bring to the table is their game, and I really think that's what the world needs. I think we really need to hear that maternal thing. And, and you know, women in Yemen want to feed their kids and and send them to school. Women in, in Israel want to feed their kids and send them to school. Women in the United States want to feed their kids and send That's their first priority. And men think a little differently, mm-hmm. you know, and we do. You know, if if there's a warmonger in the family, it's going to be the male. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 this macho thing that we have, and uh, I mean, I, I I love football. I mean, I'm not, yeah, you know, and I'm not a pacifist. I don't believe that that we get rid of our our armies or our military. It really boils down to making the right decision, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because it's profitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you see um, 
you see war uh, and violence no differently than uh, you, well, you basically see war and violence as as an addiction. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, so so war and violence. So so yes, we're we're especially I would say here in America, we're we are addicted to war and violence. Uh, but that also goes even as far as uh, what our kids are watching on TV, the type of movies that are made and consumed. Um, so this is, would you say that this goes beyond just looking at peace synonymous for, uh, to, 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 you know, stop or quell war and violence, but, uh, I guess to, to deal with the war and violence that we carry within us that is kind of germane to uh, being uh, an American. What a beautiful segue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to read one paragraph that I stole from Megan Stack in her book, Every Man in This Village is a Liar. Is that okay? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. In this book, Megan Stack, what I really identified in her book was that she had spent some time in a number of different Middle Eastern countries, and she'd written this book from the perspective of the people and the impact that the, the war and politics in the world was having on the average human being in, uh, in all of these countries. And this is what she writes, and I love this, but it's not easy to swallow. Mm. Here is the truth. It matters what you do at war. It, more, it matters more than you ever want to know because countries, like people, have collective consciousness and memories and souls. And the violence we deliver in the name of our nation is pooled like sickly tar at the bottom of who we are. The soldiers who don't die for us come home again. They bring with them the killers they became on our national behalf and sit with their polluted memories and broken emotions in our homes and schools and temples. We may wish it were not so, but action amounts to identity. We become what we do. You can tell yourself all the stories you want, but you can't leave your actions over there. You can't mm -hmm. build a wall and expect to live on the other side of memory. All of that poison seeps back into our soil. I love that. That is incredible. So true. We are what we do. Yeah, I was an yeah. alcoholic. I became that person that I really, really, when I look at, when I read that, I ask myself the question, is it any wonder we end up with guns in our schools? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's our, people were talking about gun control. I'm no more of an advocate of gun control than I am of prohibition. People want to have a beer, let them have it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the problem isn't guns. It's how we think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what the steps do. It addresses that issue about how we think. So, so let me ask you this, uh, because we've got to, we're, we're running close on time. Um, how can... 
we began to implement uh, these 12 steps uh, in our individual lives because most people think of a 12-step program, you have to go somewhere. So are you, are you suggesting that um, we can do this on our own or are you suggesting that we create uh, our own Peace Anonymous groups? How are you looking at organizing this and, and having people uh, begin to, to use this? as an active part of their daily lives? Well, awareness is always the first step. So, you know, I, I think people need to, well, perhaps read the book. And if it's motivating you enough as an individual to suggest to other people that they read it, um, to... And then maybe you'd want to start a group in your community, Peace mm-hmm. Anonymous. And, like, there's no reason in the world, <coughs> pardon me, there's no reason in the world why these steps can't work within the family, within the community, within, you know, within the state, within, that's that's how it grows. And But it starts one person at a time. And in that regard, it's very, very much like Alcoholics Anonymous. My primary purpose as a recovering alcoholic is to carry the message of AA to other suffering alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So if we look at Peace Anonymous in the same light, I mean, we carry this, we we carry the message of peace to other people who, um, and and one person at a time, very much like the tipping point, perhaps we can get to that place where. Uh, we can we can tip the balance and and instead of having a 550 billion dollar defense budget, maybe we could squeak by with a hundred billion dollar defense budget and a hundred billion dollar peace budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. You know, love I it. mean, it's it's. I write on the back cover here, and I I love this. Yeah, uh, people comment on this all the time. Well-intentioned people such as Bono and John Lennon have for years implored us to stop killing each other. In much the same manner, family members have begged alcoholics to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Perhaps mm-hmm. we are addicted to war and violence, and like alcoholics, telling us to stop the insanity was as effective as telling a drunk to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. We needed more. We needed to find a completely new design for living. And... I mean, we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again for centuries. Incredible. Now, you have a website, um, peaceanonymous.com. What can people find on there, and uh, uh, how can they get more information on this? I have a a blog on peaceanonymous.com. I do believe there's a link there for the... uh, to purchase the book, um, I have uh, Peace Anonymous on Facebook, and uh, they can go to Amazon uh, if they're looking for the book, uh, Amazon.com, and it's, it's Peace Anonymous: The Twelve Steps to Peace. Um, also, Barnes and Noble have it on their shelves in some of their stores, but uh, they will be able to order it for you if you want to head into a Barnes and Noble. Okay. Well, here's what I want to do, Johnny, uh, because uh, I, I think uh, this should be an ongoing conversation, uh, and, and because there's so many levels that that uh, this uh, uh, can be applied, uh, what I'd love to do is just invite you to come back uh, to the show 
uh, and uh, let's dig in deeper uh, on how uh, we can uh, apply these principles uh, to our daily lives to uh, not just, well, first, uh, to create peace within ourselves and all the unresolved war and violence uh, from our life experiences within ourselves first, uh, and then watching and seeing how that translates and transfers uh, into all of the other relationships in our lives and subsequently the world. So would you would you would you agree to come back on the show and and share some more with us? I would love to do that, Philippe. I would really love that. Okay, that that is a done deal. And so uh, uh, for now, I will bid you a, a phenomenal farewell. But I, before I do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the the twelve steps to peace available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, and uh, this is something that I think uh, is uh, I would look at as a, as a reference manual. So it's a little bit more important than just a regular good read. Uh, I think it's something that's essential. Um, and um, uh, uh, download it, purchase it, and uh, share it, and and start to produce a, a dialogue with your spouse, with your kids, uh, with your 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 girlfriends, or your boyfriends, or, or, or just start start a dialogue with this uh, wonderful piece of work, and and see uh, what happens, uh, and see how uh, your unresolved issues start moving toward peace. I just want to thank you, uh, Johnny, for writing this. And gosh, it's just absolutely genius and it's so timely. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, we'll talk again soon. Uh, so we'll catch you again real soon. Take care, everybody.